you watch something of mine and you think that it's perfect, trust me, I just have fun doing shit. And that's my thing. If it's not fun, I'm probably not doing it right. I'd rather say I'm a recovering perfectionist because it's kind of acknowledging that I am a perfectionist, but it's also something that I'm working on, something that I want to change the conversation around. Welcome to Not A Real Artist, a podcast by me, Iris Fritchie Cousins, and me, Tamara Sagadevan, discussing relatable creative topics with honesty and humor. Settle in for this episode all about recovering perfectionists. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, my name is Iris and I'm a recovering perfectionist. Yeah, that's 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 true. That no lies detected. Uh, yeah, but I said perfectionist, <laughs> so I didn't even say perfect. No, I kind of feel like that's like really in character because I flub my words all the time. So yeah. Okay. The only reason I know you're a recovering perfectionist is because you've said so. Yeah, I when I stumbled upon that phrase, and I don't even remember where I found it from. So um, if somebody like copyrighted that phrase and owns it, then uh, you know, yay, uh, <laughs> you, yay, you, I don't know who that is. But um, yeah, so I came across that phrase or maybe put it together in my own brain from different places that I had seen things. And it feels like it fits so well, because I have struggled against perfectionism for such a long time. And it was such a, a huge, I mean, I say was, I mean, is a huge part of uh, who I am, how I do things, what my struggles are. So to um, rather than say like, oh, I'm a perfectionist and and live in that truth, I'd rather say I'm a recovering perfectionist because it's kind of acknowledging that I am a perfectionist, but it's also pointing to the fact that it's something that I'm working on. It's something that I want to kind of change the conversation around. Does that make sense? No, it does. I think if you say to me, I'm a recovering perfectionist, it implies to me that perfection to you is not necessarily a badge of honor. And I think for me, the problem immediately when I hear the word perfectionist or someone say, I'm a perfectionist, it feels like a two-way judgment, first of all, on themselves, like I'm a perfectionist, and on me, who is not a perfectionist. But let's just leave the I am and I'm not away for a second. I, I feel that when you tell me you're a recovering perfectionist, it also makes me, I think, feel a little bit more empathy towards you because I... I'm going to be honest from the get-go. I struggle to show empathy or have empathy towards a certain type of perfectionist. Not all perfectionists, but a certain type. I just want to say that you don't have to be a perfectionist like in all facets or phases of your life to be considered one. Mm. You could have just like little bursts or flutters and that could be perfection in your life. So I do understand it's not you are one or you mm -hmm. aren't one. Yeah, I don't know. Am I making you tense up when I say no. I don't have a lot of empathy towards perfectionists? <laughs> it raises a question for me, like two questions. One is you said you're not a perfectionist. I want to know more about that. And second, it makes me wonder what you think a perfectionist is. Well, like I said earlier, I try not to fuck with perfectionists. <laughs> no, I said something else. The reason I say I'm not a perfectionist is... I feel that there are certain values and standards and ways of operating that are particular to a perfectionist. Um, those values are, I have to be right. Um, I don't like criticism. 
something is never good enough for me. And the standards or the, the, the ways of operating is kind of, for lack of a better term, like diminishing returns. They work on something consistently, even though the return on what they're working on is just minimal. And oh yeah, like they, they should have they should have let it go like yeah, many it... many hours or many days ago kind of thing. Right. And the reason I say I'm not a perfectionist is because I can see a time clearly in my life when I was in just one facet of my life, which was work. How I got out of that, there were two ways that I okay. Hmm. Now I'm gonna start talking so much, Iris. Please. It is a po- it is a podcast. So Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Um I feel that there are two types of perfectionists. One is self. And I much prefer that kind of perfectionist where I need something to be perfect because I have a standard for myself, blah, blah, blah. The other one is outward where this has to be perfect. You're not doing this right. This is um, this report needs a full stop here. And those are outward perfectionists. And it's even worse when they're in charge of you um, versus when you're in a a relationship where the hierarchy is the same when they're your peers or colleagues. So the perfectionists that I really tend to kind of shy away from or I don't want to collaborate with or be with or be ruled by are those outward perfectionists. Uh, I feel inward perfectionists also make life a little bit difficult, but I think it's more difficult for themselves. And I just kind of have this thing it's like somebody having a really loud, obnoxious party. You know, if you want to have a party, great. But as soon as your music starts spilling into my windows, I get really irate. And like I, you can see, I'm balling up my fists now. And I'm getting worried as I'm talking to you because you just said, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And I'm like, I don't want to hear your music. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that you're saying something which I hadn't really included in my um, understanding of perfectionism. Because for me, perfectionism is very much the self thing. I think that what you're describing is the outward thing where the other person is a perfectionist and they're somehow applying something onto you or expecting something Mm. of you. It's a slightly kind of persecuting experience of somebody else and their standards as if them being a perfectionist requires you to be perfect. And that is, you know, that sucks. Like, so that's not very nice. But for me, that actually doesn't come into the definition that I have for myself as um, being a perfectionist. Like Mm. for me, it's literally only the personal and I find it easier to leave somebody else's outward perfectionism of, of, of like, I need the world to be perfect. I don't really class that as perfectionism. I class that as I need the world to be and the people around me to be perfect. Yeah. So it's interesting. I d- I'm not saying that this is right of uh, the right way of saying it. I'm just saying that this is the way that I see it. Um, and for me, perfectionism is so much more to do with how I feel inside and how I think about how I should be or how I, how the things that I do should be. And that's where I experience perfectionism and that's where I want to recover from it I hear you and also it's funny because I'm like thinking right now about the notes that I sent you uh yesterday about uh (laughs) about about our podcast and I'm like you know I have very high standards and well maybe not very high standards but I have high standards but they are not born out of like oh it must be perfect they're more born out of just you know I know how this could be better 
could I let it go? Sure, I could let it go, but I've also noticed it, so I'm going to say something. You know, like we're talking about sound editing, stuff like that. But to me, it's not a criticism. And I have worked with people before, and this is the difference between working with nice people and dicks, basically, where the nice people, in order to make things better and they have high standards, they work together with you to create something that's better, as opposed to the dicks who just make it feel as if you weren't good enough and you should have already been better than you were. And that that's a terrible experience. So, but if you can find those people who can kind of like help, uh, like where you influence each other to like be the best version of yourself or create the best thing that you're doing it doesn't to me that's not the negative aspect of perfectionism i want to get into the negative aspects of perfectionism for me but first well what i want to say it was not really about your notes um i have if i feel somebody is being a perfectionist i always choose and the path, not of least resistance, but what I value most in the moment. So if I value in this moment making something that is better versus spending more time editing something, then I will accept and I will just make something that's better. But if in that moment I value my time more and I feel that this is taking it past done and past good and taking it to perfect, then I will say something. Mm. If it's a critique of... I don't know how I'm speaking with words that I'm saying, oh, I don't like that because you, you're making us sound unprofessional. I will decide, okay, is it actually right this time or do I need to speak up for myself because this is just how I speak? And I'm coming from a place where I've been under the thumb of perfectionists. But the one thing I just want to say is when a perfectionist says to me that they have high standards immediately it feels like the implication is I don't. Mm -hmm. Okay, with you it's a bit different because you're my friend. Mm -hmm. We've established this, right? Mm -hmm. We're friends, so it doesn't feel like necessarily like an attack or that you have an unequal, unequal amount of power in the relationship. But if you were, say, my, um, I don't know, if you were paying for this podcast, if you were paying me a salary and you decided to pick out five things, then I would be like, okay. And the difference is, like you said, like if you hear it, you'll pick it out. I will hear something and I will say, meh. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what you're talking about is cost versus reward. Because yeah. I completely, I'm completely with you. And there's also a difference for me where I actually, I experience much less perfectionism with our podcast. And that's really interesting because when I work by myself and I'm doing something um, like creating my own, like a class or I'm creating a vlog or whatever, I get so up in, tied up in knots with like, oh, I know I could do this better. Like I could have sounded more eloquent or I could have done the filming better. I could have spent more time editing, all that kind of stuff. The perfectionism is almost like a way of beating myself up for things not being better, me not being better. And I think it's also a, a fear of like, oh, am I going to be liked? Are people going to like me or the things I do? And perfectionism is kind of, has two functions. One, it wants to make sure that I do things better so that I can make sure that like people will like me and they will like the things I do. But it will also try to protect me in the other way of like, okay, well, 
if I have standards for myself that are that high, I will just never start, never do it, and then also never be vulnerable, exposed, because people can't judge the thing you didn't do, kind of thing. Why I find this conversation useful is, number one, I like you. And oh. if I'm hearing... <laughs> no, <sighs> if I'm... <laughs> Iris is making a, a really... What is that? Was that a heart, Iris? It's like a heart. It's like a heart with my fingers. Well, that was not perfect, okay? It looked like an ass. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Editor's note, Iris was making an ass with her fingers. Yes, of course. <laughs> because I, I like you and because we're the, 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 the roles are, are equal, I am more open to hearing your struggles with perfectionism. And as you're talking, like, you're, you're literally, like, unmelting my heart. When you say, like, it has this, like, I don't know if you said it was was this, but I what I heard is like it's rooted in kind of shades of like I'm not good enough. I don't want to say hatred of self. <laughs> that sounds strong, like unworthy. Mm -hmm. And if I think about the massive amounts of effort that go into trying to like expunge that feeling, it's you being a perfectionist. It really makes my heart very sore. I mean, obviously, I'm not here to say, oh, poor you, Iris, but it's also to understand that when somebody is being a perfectionist, it's not necessarily an attack on you, the person who is not a perfectionist. Mm. It's just an expression of their inner. And I mean, I know that in a sense, but I can have a lot more softness when I think about you having that as perfection. And I, I feel like I, I want to have a sidebar with you, but like, I, I'm not talking about you <laughs> when I talk about perfectionists. I have a very... And I have an image in my mind and he's a man and he's not you. So um, I'm just getting a little bit nervous as we're talking that you think it's you. I swear to God, it's not you. I didn't think that. So Okay. And it's like, it's partly because I have worked with people. I've worked with both types of people. And I didn't, at a certain point, I didn't know that the, um, that the type of person existed who could give feedback and notes to improve things without me feeling bad or without me feeling like that person was thinking badly of me. And when I first experienced that type of collaboration, um, it was a real eye-opener to me, actually, because it just created the room for things to become better without negative input. And I think that ever since I was younger, uh, especially like in school and at university, I always felt like making things better had to be a painful process. It had to be kind of torture or whatever. And then to experience that, hey, hang on a minute, it doesn't, uh, that was mind blowing to me. Let's, let's stop talking about dickheads and yeah. let's move it into perfectionism in the way you see it. And yeah. if, if I'm trying to like cr quickly rearrange my brain, I would think you're talking about maybe somebody that sees an artist's work that they love and they decide, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to start painting like this. And they do their first painting and there's such a big gap between it and it's not perfect because mm. they looked at quote unquote perfection and they either stop because they don't want to ruin another piece of paper or waste or they trash it because it doesn't um, want to exist anymore. And you're nodding, but is that more around what you're, you're thinking about and talking about? Yeah, because I think you're bringing in the inner critic as well now, where perfectionism and the inner critic kind of go hand in hand and they create a... Like, so the, it's kind of like the inner critic is a self-critical voice, I guess. 
that is judging or or, or commenting uh, or critiquing uh, or kind of like making the shutters go down like you know oh don't do this this is crap this is terrible whereas perfectionism is it's a, it's a similar thing but mm. it manifests itself almost on the opposite side where it is like oh this isn't good enough i need to keep going this isn't you know this isn't what i want um it needs more of this or that or the other in it and 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 i feel like but i feel like the feeling around both of these things is very similar to me so the inner critic feeling and the perfectionism feeling to me feel like they have the same root the root of this isn't good enough this needs to be better other people can do it better people won't like this uh, i won't like this that kind of stuff I see I can just very confidently say here I don't know like I'm trying to think about it and I'm trying to like ph philosophize <laughs> philosophize it because when I've experienced perfectionism it was just to protect me from getting hurt by other perfectionists because I valued time more than I valued anything else or autonomy or whatever so I, I hear what you're saying I just I don't know like I'm just gonna say I don't know <laughs> It sounds as if you don't experience uh, like an inner perfectionist voice when you are working. It sounds like I have low emotional fucking intelligence. No, no. I, I think that because the thing is, having worked with you, I experience, I can see that you experience perfectionism more as what other people think of you rather than what you think of your own work. Because I feel like your anxiety around... Um, if I may say, if I may use that word, like your anxiety around our collaboration is often around like, if I will think that what you've done is good enough, as opposed to that you are working in your own space and thinking, oh gosh, you know, does this need to be better? Not for me or for anybody else, but for yourself. I agree with you, but that's because I think you have high standards, higher standards, high standards than I do. I have high standards. So everybody, I think everybody has high standards. It's just high standards in relation to you. I feel that you set the bar in this in this world, and I'm comparing you to other people, but like you set the bar for how things should be edited, how things should look, how flow and pace should be. And I'm not just talking about a podcast, I'm talking in general. And that's why I gravitated towards you because I also want to, I, I am a high achiever. I think so. <laughs> Although you might disagree. <laughs> because you set the standard, it needs to be according to that standard. But I think if I was doing it with somebody else, I might not have that that experience. So I hear what you're saying in this particular context, but I just also I feel like emotionally immature right now because I'm finding it so hard to like clock perfectionism in my own life. And mm -hmm. is that because I'm unaware? Well, I wanted to ask you actually um, whether you experience like how, what's the painting process for you when we did coaching a couple of years ago and I was giving you homework and I said, go and paint some oranges. And then you went and painted oranges and they were very skillfully done. And I wonder, like, did you experience any kind of perfectionism in doing something like that? I don't feel like I did. I feel like it was more this is a challenge and the challenge here is to paint oranges that it wasn't they didn't have to be realistic or anything like that and i thought what is the most challenging thing for me i can just 
push out an orange (laughs) 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 and that would be fine but what would be realist uh, would be hard for me now is to paint an orange realistically in the style that I wanted to and composition is a challenge for me and that's how I went about it but I didn't feel like it needed to be perfect I did feel however that I did want to show you the best of what I could do I don't know, but you would, you would, maybe you recall something from coaching that made you feel like I was a perfectionist. But to me, I feel like perfection is such a, in itself, it's not perfection because it's all or nothing characteristic. It's just like a, like a fool's errand. And Mm. because I've convinced myself that I am already quite fantastic, I don't know. It just feels like something I can't touch. Like when somebody says I'm giving a hundred percent, I feel like they, they conflate that with being perfect. Mm-hmm. But a hundred percent is like whatever you are in the day, and yeah. I would say that I am always giving a hundred percent, or I'm trying my best to give a hundred percent. But my hundred percent on different days is different, and I think yeah. that's why it's easier for me. But I feel like can we maybe just talk more about like you being a perfectionist because there might be somebody that actually is a perfectionist that's listening to this, and they're like, I don't want to listen to this idiot talking about how much doesn't like perfectionists I just want to hear myself being represented on this podcast I'm just getting a little bit nervous about that yeah no I think this is really interesting because basically you're saying you're not much of a perfectionist and I think that coincides with my view of you because it shows in my look (laughs) no but no because that's the thing it's like oh when I say like oh you're not perfectionist you could take it in a negative way like oh as in like you don't have standards yeah no I'm happy Um, but you seem quite free to just do what it is that you're doing so when you're gonna go and paint you're just painting and you're having I don't know like you're working towards something but you don't seem to be bound up in this um in this mental struggle because I do think that perfectionism is a mental struggle that that kind of influences what it is that you're doing and that's why I think that when I look at your paintings and not just your paintings but also your process I see someone who is quite free to simply engage with the thing that you're doing at that point in time and I think for me it's quite different because although I can engage with the thing that I am doing at the time and as I've said before collaboration makes it much more easy for me I'm much more capable of just doing the thing I'm doing if I'm collaborating with someone specifically someone that I like and don't experience as having negative thoughts or feelings about me me um yes you yes you Tamara but if I am doing something by myself like my perfectionist self comes out much more and then the the judgy self and the like oh those eyes are not the same and I kind of feel like most of my art style and the way that I do things is actually born out of knowing that I'm such a perfectionist and having gone through pretty much like a decade or even longer of not producing very much art uh, or producing any videos like if you look at where I come from the creation of what it seems that I don't struggle with now, like the production of art and the making of videos, it looks as if like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just doing that. It's easy for me. But I come from many, many years of kind of like tentatively wanting to do those things and then not finding myself capable of following through because it was like, oh, well, someone's going to, I'm going to put a video on YouTube and then somebody's going to criticize it because, you know, it won't have been good enough. Or, you know, I just 
would look at other people and like the example that you gave earlier about like a painting but for me the example was like somebody else is so much more interesting than me or they can make videos so much better than me and so what's you know what's even the point of me doing it and I think for me that is so synonymous the feeling of being a perfectionist and the feeling of what is even the point because I can never make it as good as I know it either should be or it could be if I put like everything that I've got into it and that's kind of how I stumbled upon this amazing concept of half-assing things because once I realized that I could just half-ass things it didn't make me feel like there's always a feeling of like oh it could have been better but at least it's out there at least I did it at least it isn't just something that I'm dreaming about or just like talking about oh I'm going to do videos but mm. then never doing it so half-assing it is kind of like giving the middle finger to my inner perfectionist and saying well it might not be perfect but at least it exists Done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. My first thing is, and this is not a, a pity party because I don't see any tea here. I feel like that's so painful. When I hear you saying that my video would never be good enough. So like, what's the point? Like, I I can feel it here Aww. in my eye because you're the point. Well, yeah, and... it made me very made me very uncomfortable to say that you say that like that you experience as me setting the standard. And I'm like my half-assed phone video where I never brush my hair or do my makeup, like, how is that the standard? <laughs> because the standard is not just technical quality. First of all, you know, you're, I, I don't need to convince you on the technical side, you're the shit. You know that, right? Yes? No. Okay, I'm like shaking well, my And also, every time you are inspired by me, and then you do something because you think I'm the standard, and then you do it so much better than me. And I'm like, oh, God, I wish I could do it the way Tamara does it. I don't <laughs> know if you hilarious. saw that. I know that violence is not encouraged, but that was like my physical slap. Get out of it. <laughs> Stop it. So you're not just the standard technically. You're also the standard, one of the standards let me shame let me not like cut out every other artist that I also look up to for authenticity the fact that you show up with your hair and I'm not saying it is fucked up but with your hair fucked up <laughs> gives me that permission to come in my horrible gown that my mother hates and I'm okay with it because somebody is showing me that I don't have to come here all polished and trimmed or whatever this is this is real and that's a standard for me it's a, it's a new standard it's a standard of not being perfect and you say that you're a perfectionist and you help me not to be perfect it's like such a weird kind of whatever life is a circle yeah I guess mm. whatever a circle looks like but the very wonky I... very not perfect <laughs> <laughs> the question I have in my mind is by the way if you watch something of mine and you think that it's perfect trust me I I just have fun doing shit um and that's my thing if it's not fun I'm probably not doing it right. If I am dreading something, it's there's probably another problem in there. Like my compass is fun. Let's hold my compass here for a second. I wanted to ask, is your art a rebellion against your perfectionism? Because when I think of your art and I think of the wonky eyes, that is the opposite of perfect. And I don't mean that in an, in an insulting way. Just let's yeah. just establish that. Is your art a rebellion against perfectionism? Yes, absolutely. So... I, when I first started doing art, 
Um, I took classes. I felt quite happy with the art that I was doing. It was like uh, I was following these lessons and I created art that kind of looked like the lessons, but also kind of looked like my own thing. And it was pretty and it was, you know, aesthetically pleasing, at least to me, but I think also to other people. But I there were two things that I noticed. One was I was still not really making art as much as I thought I wanted to and I found that quite puzzling because I thought like okay here I'm finally making art that I like that I think is aesthetically pleasing like I seem to have some kind of skill uh, where I can just take a lesson and I can follow it and and and, and produce a, a result that I'm pleased with but I still am not really doing it very much and then the second thing which was a more crucial thing is I wasn't really enjoying the process and the realization that I wasn't enjoying the process was the biggest thing um, that made me want to pay attention and kind of like understand what is this about? Like, why am I not enjoying this when I seem to enjoy the results so much? Like, it's so much like art that I was happy with. Why am I not enjoying the physical art making? And that's what then led to me uh, embracing imperfection a bit more because I think that at that time the most obvious answer was that I was so anxious about making the art look nice so that I could be satisfied with the result that I was quite tense in my art making quite in my head quite like you know like oh this eye needs to be symmetrical to the other eye. Oh my goodness, I can't make the face, uh, you know, like the, on the left-hand side, it looks really nice and smooth. And then on the right-hand side, like my hand just does a funky thing and like, I can't make it look the same. And I realized that if I let go of that on purpose, I'm like, okay, I'm going to literally make this face wonky. I'm going to like draw it with my non-dominant hand. So I can't even like make it symmetrical. Even if I wanted to, I'm going to like do this small eye and a big eye. Like I'm going to just go like some symmetries out the window. And then I started just enjoying the process. And uh, I, I started to realize also when my inner critic or my inner voice was stopping me when it was kind of like going when it was very much left brain um wanting me to adhere to the rules like well no you don't make eyes that color or no this doesn't look realistic or like no you can't add uh, oil pastels uh, and and watercolor together or whatever i mean that, that's not a rule but like my head made up all these rules and by kind of exposing that and then deliberately going like no i am gonna do that it made me much more in touch with the process and then the process and the almost deliberate imperfectness of either paint application or or, or features that i was drawing it became such a pleasure um so but i do i don't know like because it, it's not necessarily that my process was against somebody else it was really mostly against my own left brain because I'm a very logical person and I love symmetry and I love um there are so many things that I love that have to do with you know order and logic and um and and things like that and I, I'm a you know I'm a big geek and I really enjoy those things but I have realized that I can enjoy those things but that doesn't mean that I have to make them First of all, that little, I can enjoy these things, but I don't have to make them. Boom, 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 boom. That is a very good, I was making like, <laughs> I don't know what sound that was. But that is a, a good thing to live like your entire life. I enjoy looking at oil paintings, but I don't have to make them. 
Mm. You can use that anyway. I'm not talking for myself. I want to say, I, I don't know if it, I'm, it's going to sound too harsh, but it's like taking away the power of your perfectionist by doing the exact opposite. And I'm not talking about disempowering a part of yourself, but it just feels like a perfectionist is not the part of yourself that should be in control in this particular area of your life, which is art. And also what you said, like you let yourself be led by fun. And I'm kind of like, I'm one of those people, I've never been led by fun because I kind of feel like fun isn't allowed. Fun means that, especially in a kind of professional, serious uh, arena, fun means that you're slacking off or you're doing something not right. And so I do want to be led by fun as well, or at least by ease. And I'm coming more and more to the conclusion that I'm allowed to have ease in my process, I'm just slowly, and I know I've said this before, that, you know, when I talk about like, oh, I figured this out, it's like, I figured this out over many, many years, over many, many paintings, through quite a lot of maybe frustration or like coming up against things that weren't right. So, you know, it's never, it's never an overnight process. But yeah, I'm, I'm currently learning about the ease in my process and that that is actually a marker of, I don't know, self-care almost even. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm working with myself rather than against myself. It's many iterations that have got to got you to where you are. You had to repeat the the learning. That's just I think that's just life. Repeat the learning and keep on peeling the layers. What is your com- compass then? Would you say that ease is your compass or is ease something you're trying to make your compass? Yeah, probably more like trying to make rather than that it is because I still have too many hang-ups, too many kind of like judgments inside, mm. you know, too much of a war between, you know, the the logical and the creative sides of myself. But also, and I keep forgetting this and I keep having to relearn this, but I need to just do. I need to just not get in my own way and stop myself doing things uh, because that's the perfectionist. The perfectionist wants to plan things or when I do do them, I want them to be exactly right. And that leads to, you know, creative droughts. And as long as I am able to keep moving and to just keep doing the thing that I want to do and not complicate it too much, then I can keep doing them. And that's a constant kind of dialogue between that voice inside me that goes like, oh, well, you really should. You know, the perfectionist is all about should Mm. um, because the perfectionist is trying to make it perfect. And perfect is a lot around shoulds to me, at least, because it's almost as if I feel like the should is a marker of something I don't know. It's maybe it comes down to this feeling of like, I can't trust myself. And it comes back as well to that, what I just said about like, well, when you're having fun, that that's not right. That's not legit. So I think it's, I can't trust myself. So I have to almost use the shoulds and use the outer view of perfection as a marker of when I'm doing it right, rather than an inner feeling of like, oh, this feels good. This feels fun. This feels in flow. Um, And I'm kind of like, I guess I'm learning to listen to myself and where there is ease and flow. That's actually good. And that's actually, and I think that's what I see in you. I think you find it much more you're much more capable of achieving ease and flow because I don't think that you are using the shoulds as a marker of you're doing it right. I don't know. Maybe you tell me if that's correct. 
I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> I I'm just trying to think like when you said like fun is not allowed. Like always when you say something that is kind of that you feel, not that it, because it's true that you feel, that's in direct opposition of what I am. I always think, oh, should I be having less fun? But <laughs> I think where this fun comes from is I grew up having fun. My parents were fun people. My dad had this habit of waking us up in the morning by telling us how great we were, not because of what we had done or what we would do, but because we are. And it was such a, such a, like an expansive thing to be told when you're a kid, you know, you are, therefore you are, you're awesome. It's like, okay. And my dad was like, who's the champion? And we would be like, where are the champions? Fucking can't even make our own breakfast yet. But that's kind of how I grew up. And my mom and dad were always laughing, having fun. And if it wasn't fun, we probably weren't really doing it. And I mean, there's a lot of danger to that. Then if you only do things that are fun, you find that you don't have a passport to return home. Uh, me, I don't have a passport <laughs> to return home. So I'm just kind of thinking about that. But I just, I like laughing and I like having fun. And I just don't think it's it's going to stop. And I just also, I feel like perfection is pain. Like when you're saying this to me, I don't know. I'm, and I'm putting it on you and I'm sorry. But for me, it feels painful. So I don't want it. Mm. <laughs> because as we established, I'm just not the, the best of friends with pain. For me, when I paint, it's just such a such a privilege and it's still a privilege for me maybe in 10 years it won't be anymore that I feel so so lucky to be doing it that I think it just kind of takes away the the pressure of everything else just by the fact that I'm doing it and by the fact that I am allowed to have more than one color of paint makes me feel I don't know just like everything's okay already. Yeah, it's like you're in a big playground and you're just having fun. Yeah, it, it, it just honestly just feels like a privilege. Like I told you before, like growing old is a privilege. The fact mm. that I own paint feels like a privilege. And I know that I'm looking at my past life to, to talk about that privilege. But that's why it feels like anything that I do is awesome. Mm -hmm. Because I wouldn't have been able to do it before. I've been painting eggs recently. What's the fucking point? <laughs> There's no points. Mm -hmm. There's no reason. Nobody wants eggs. I'm still going to teach a lesson on eggs, by the way. But nobody wants that. But why would I not do it? I want to paint eggs. I'll do it. It's fun. So mm. I just, I, I, again, I hear you though. And I have a lot more empathy in this 46 minutes versus when we first started. I felt so tight when we started. And now I feel a little bit more like even the people in, in life where I had to exhibit perfectionism just to kind of be safe from them. I feel some empathy towards them, not a lot, but some. Yeah. And I, I want to take a leaf out of your book. I I want to be much more like, want to paint eggs? Well, paint eggs. I don't want to paint eggs, but I'm sure there's other things that I want to do that I'm stopping myself from doing because it feels like, what's the point? But the point is that you want to do it. And, you know, that's that's all that's necessary. You know, I think about like this, this perfectionism. I had a friend in school, my best friend. We're not friends anymore, bitch. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. We're still friends. And she used to keep her books in the best condition ever. Every single page was highlighted. She had like sparkly pens. She would cover it in like a really nice newspaper. My book only got covered after my teacher like was like, Tamara, you need to cover your damn book. 
my I had dog ears and I was big. I was like 16 and my my book was looking like shit. But I just couldn't be bothered and I was the best in the class and when it came to the bookmark I was not the best in the class because, you know, they mark you on the quality of your books for some fucking reason. But this would anger my friends so much. And one day we sat down and I realized that for her to keep her book in this condition where she learned she would get a full mark, she was not doing it because she enjoyed it. She was just doing it because in her mind, that was the only way to succeed in this in this little, I don't know, gauntlet that school. And I don't know why I'm thinking about this right now. And I don't even know if this has a point, but it just makes me kind of ache for her because I can Mm. also imagine as a perfectionist, if other people, and I don't mean this about you, but if other people are having fun and seeing results and they're not even half assing it, they're just assing it. Yes. It must be painful. Mm. When you were just um, bringing up the example of school, it made me have a memory of like how I would look at other people's uh, like workbooks, like the the ones that like have your handwriting in. Mm -hmm. And I would have friends who would just they they would have like a style almost like they all of their stuff would look similar, like they would have exercise books for different subjects and they were all like a similar style. And then their handwriting was really neat. And I always felt like, you know, I'd love for my stuff to be like that. But when I try to be like that, I feel so stifled and unhappy. And Mm -hmm. so I basically have to accept the fact that I'm chaotic and like my notes don't look that aesthetic and that kind of stuff. And part of me doesn't want to accept that because part of me enjoys that neat and tidy and color-coded looks so much um and i like i wish i could be like that and that's a tension point it's the tension point of like i wish i could be like that but i'm not like that so am i going to make myself unhappy by trying to achieve that and then have that nice result that i like or am i going to embrace this kind of slightly messy person that i am and i feel like that's a big part of my journey it's the embracing of the messy person that i am and actually being okay with that and I can wholeheartedly say that I'm still not 100% okay with that because there's still the part of me that wants the aesthetic color-coded notes (laughs) and stuff like that and you know what good on you for saying that you're not 100% okay with that because it's another thing to come here and say oh I'm a a recovered perfectionist Mm. and make like so good on you for saying that I would want I'm not throwing stones at your parents hey Um, (laughs) I want to just because like we're, we're talking about school now and school is like, I think, the breeding ground yeah, for all of the shits because you're more likely to be in school before you're in, you're in a beauty pageant. Well, I fucking hope so. I was an A student, not because I was putting in a lot of efforts or whatever. I just had an affinity for certain subjects, not maths. I didn't put in effort. I didn't study a lot, not because it came easy to me. I was just lucky in that fucking regard. OK, I'm not a genius. <laughs> and I got a really horrible note from a teacher about my chicken scratching my handwriting, which Mm -hmm. they call chicken scratch. And my dad responded. My mother was like, you need to just write a little bit neater. Like you can only write like this when you're a doctor. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And my dad responded and he was like, "Uh, my daughter's not a chicken. And he put a picture of a chicken and he said, this is a chicken. (laughs) And that was my dad's response. And I was like strutted up to the teacher and I was like, here you go, sir. And I opened it. I was like, hmm. We need to meet with your father. And I was like, huh, I want to see that happening. And I had such a, I had like advocates for my untidiness, for my 
just your you-ness. Yeah, for being eccentric, you you know? Yes. Hey, what's she doing in the back there? Well, she's building a car out of bricks. What? A car out of bricks. Yeah. Okay. She shouldn't be doing that. She's a girl. No. Let her do what she wants. What's she doing now? (laughs) She's... She's building a house out of cardboard. Okay, great. That's what I was doing. And my parents were advocating for me. I'm not saying my parents were perfect, but maybe if there's parents listening and your child has some quirks or shit, like advocate for them. Because I think if my parents came to me and and like wrapped me across the fingers and said, Tamara, it's time to practice your ABCs. You will write like you're not a chicken. That would have had a big impact on me. And I wouldn't be writing like this now (laughs) so i'm giving all the parents out there because i have no kids and therefore i'm qualified (laughs) parental advice (laughs) no but like what about um because i know we love this uh, podcast to be practical with tips that people can go away from (laughs) listening and implement into their lives do you have any tips for perfectionists or recovering perfectionists I actually do, even though I'm not a perfectionist. When I was a perfectionist and I looked back at that time, I just want to give a, because this is the shout out, shout out to my mom. No, shout out to um, someone who really helped me. Her name was Olivia Miller and she was a catalyst for change in my life. And she's the one when I went with this whole thing about I'm working perfectly. I'm putting in all the hours. I'm doing everything, but someone's still coming back to me for a full stop. And it was like, why are you perfect? Why are you being perfect like this? Because you're afraid of the punishment that's going to come. You're afraid that if it's not perfect, you're going to have to spend six more hours trying to find out what the error is and correcting it. But that's not on you. If you're not perfect, you're not perfect. And understanding where my perfectionism was coming from, not because I'm a perfectionist, but because I was afraid, was really helpful. And if I was in that situation, there could be many people here who are just perfectionists because they're afraid of something else, not Mm. necessarily because they're insecure with their work or their worth or because they don't feel good enough. It's just because they want to avoid punishment. I don't know how accurate that is. I'm just going to assume like it is. No, I think that's a really good point. You're talking about fear and how fear comes into perfectionism. And I can't believe that it didn't come up until this point in the episode, because obviously it makes a lot of sense. The other thing is my perfectionism hurt somebody that I really loved, my brother. I love you. I wanted him to be as perfect as I was in this particular job, doing the same things that because I knew that my high perfection in this specific analysis meant that I would not be shat on, basically it. And shat on sounds, it's much... It's a much better synonym for what was actually going on. And I kept on pushing it on him because I wanted him to not be hurt. I didn't want him to be shat on. And he had a, a moment and it was quite emotional. And he said to me, I will never be good enough for you in this job. And it broke my heart because he is, to me, the most perfect person. And when I realized that my fear of somebody else because of their insecurity shitting on us was what was making me be this way. It was an immediate stop for my perfection. And that's one of the other things that just kind of like blew my mind. And I would say that if you're not an inward, if you're an outward perfectionist, make sure that you understand how it's hurting the people around you. And I'm not saying, Iris, you're hurting me because I always feel everything I say now could be just <laughs> uh, like, you're not hurting me. But if you're if you're doing that and if you hurting people is something you don't want to do and that can help you 
be aware of your perfectionism, not necessarily kick it to the curb, then that's a good thing. Uh, do I have more? I do. Should I go on and then you're going to give us the actual meat or should I shut up now? <laughs> no, if you've got something else to say, I want to hear it. I remember when I was, what is it, a pseudo perfectionist? I got a, a bit emotional there when I was talking about my, my brother. So when I was a pseudo perfectionist, I noticed that what was starting to happen is I was afraid to start because whatever I was going to end up with was always going to be critiqued negatively, even mm. if it was the best thing that ever fucking happened. And what that would just do is prevent me from starting. And eventually when I realized, well, I'm never going to be perfect anyway. Well, what about just, and you said that, half-assing it. I didn't consider it half-assing or half-assing at all. To me, it was doing, can I do a medium job here? Yeah, sure. Can I do an 80% job here? Sure. And 80% was always more achievable to me than that 100% that the person was looking for. And that usually took me to a very good point. And whatever came after that was the other person's problem. That yeah. was their shit onto my good work. It was understanding diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. If you spend three hours on a painting and it's beautiful, and then you spend six hours getting the eye just right, cool, but is it really worth it when you could have did two other paintings and got feedback? Like there's a good feedback loop there there's more chance for feedback no and that's also what you were saying about like can you do 80 percent and what you what you imagine to be 100 percent right now and you can do 80 percent if you keep doing 80 percent then at a certain point your 80 percent will be the 100 percent from a year ago or two years ago because i know that by doing lots of things like for example, putting in the hours in painting or putting in the hours in editing, all of a sudden I can do the things that I used to think of as perfection. I can just do them now. And obviously I've got different standards for per perfection these days, but like you have to give yourself the opportunity to grow and you only grow by doing. You don't grow by imagining the perfect thing and never doing it. Yeah, but I, I think there's a big difference between like proficiency and then perfection pushing you to proficiency because that's never going to be good enough when perfection pushes you to proficiency. But also just like don't use it as a cop out that I'm not going to be proficient in this because, oh, I'm a perfectionist. No, if you usually, besides you, Iris, I'm going to give you a, a card when people say, oh, I'm such a perfectionist. You're like, mm, okay, are you also, do you have OCD too? Because that's like the kind of uh, vibe I get from people who say, oh, I'm such a perfect, oh, I have such OCD. And when I would do interviews, normally when people would say they were a perfectionist, it's just, what's your weakness? I'm a perfectionist. It's kind of code for like, oh, I work too hard. But as my values started changing, my reaction to that question started changing. And once I remember somebody said to me, I'm such a perfectionist, and they actually seemed like they meant it and they weren't just saying it. And I said, I'm really sorry about that. That must be difficult. And then the whole interview like went bald. I wasn't trying to be like horrible, but I felt in that moment, I felt compassion for the person. So um, yeah, I just don't use it as an excuse to say that, oh, this is me trying to be a perfectionist. There's a difference between being proficient mm. and being a perfectionist. I'm not proficient in some of the tools I use right now. But when I am proficient, I'm not going to look for perfection. I'm sorry mm. if I went off on a tangent. I don't no. know why I'm apologizing to you. Don't apologize. It's because you told me, Tamara, <laughs> I want at least 10 apologies in this episode or else. <laughs> oh my goodness, everybody's going to think that that's, that's what I actually said now. 
<laughs> Are you waiting for me to say? No, she didn't say that. <laughs> of course she didn't say that. Come on. Let it be known. Oh my god, I'm such a perfectionist. <laughs> Can you please Like, oh my god, I am such a perfectionist. Oh my god. I yeah. really we, we are going to get roasted now. But Yeah. We are. I I, I like my mother. That's okay. No, we're doing We're the one, we're the ones making the podcast, so, you know, we okay. can let our perfectionism get in the way of making a podcast and putting it out there and like sharing it with people and being really and afraid. You know what? Good on you. And I know that you said it's easier when you like do a, a collaboration, so fine but don't let that take away like honestly well done iris on doing a podcast i know i did it too but i'm just talking <laughs> from the point of a viewer you know like that's a big thing yo and yeah. especially with me i'm probably like a what's it like an anti-perfectionist energy to your perfectionist energy mm. i'm probably smothering you yeah so i think that's my tip if if you find it hard to do things by yourself collaborate collaborate the shit out of your perfectionism and um with an yeah. imperfect person mm-hmm. you can find them in in uh, south africa actually i think you can find them everywhere actually may i ask i know it's been an hour but mm. what does perfection feel like to you physically in your body when you are doing something and you're a perfectionist what's the body cues that you get like physically i just feel very uncomfortable like i just feel like oh like a, a real like I, I don't have the words to describe what that feels like but it's a really uncomfortable like almost like a pressure cooker type of feeling like oh I can't do like it has to be better I'm shit and this it doesn't feel good I just want to walk away and never do this again it's kind of that it's it's a bit like it's a bit like that okay I find having like physical cues of what some of, of what's going on very helpful to have sometimes. So if you're feeling like a pressure cooker or an Instapot, <laughs> it's probably your perfection. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Knowing what that feels like in your body so that you can kind of take stock. Yeah, like knowing mm. why your back is sore. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. We really hope you enjoyed our discussion about perfectionism and recovering perfectionists. Um, I have a question for you. Do you identify as a recovering perfectionist? Um, we'd love to hear from you if you want to share anything, your story, your questions, your insights. Email us not a real artist podcast at gmail.com we'd love to receive your emails and whilst you're at it at your computer or on your digital device why don't you also head over to itunes and rate and review our podcast we'd really appreciate it that would be so awesome and we will give you a gold star now uh let's uh get into the key takeaways and uh, we will see you in the next episode Here are the key takeaways. Number one, using the term recovering perfectionist as opposed to just perfectionist is a way of acknowledging your perfectionist self whilst also pointing to the work you are doing to change things. Number two, perfectionism can be used as an excuse to keep working on something for minimal return. Number three, we can roughly divide perfectionism in two. On the one hand, inward perfectionism, i.e. I need myself or what I do to be perfect and outward perfectionism, 
i.e. I need what others are or do to be perfect. Number four. If you experience a harsh inner perfectionist when working alone, try to collaborate with someone you like and respect and see if it helps lessen the feeling. Number five. Often, perfectionism is simply a protection against our fears. If you never start, you protect yourself against failure. Number six. Perfectionism and the inner critic are closely related. The former wants to make things perfect. The latter criticizes what you've done. Both talk about a feeling of not good enough. Number seven. When we compare ourselves to others or have an unattainable standard, it can give rise to a feeling of, what's the point? But often it's better to do something imperfectly than not do it at all. Showing up imperfectly is real and honest. Number eight, let fun be your compass. Number nine, can you try to actively be an anti-perfectionist? What rules can you break? What would that look like in your life and art? Number ten. There is a tension point between what you want to be and what you are. You have to decide to what extent changing yourself or embracing yourself as you are is the right choice for you. Number 11. If you keep putting in the work at a standard that is doable and sustainable to you, then in time the level you used to perceive as unattainable perfection will be the norm. You only grow by doing. And number 12. There is a difference between being proficient and being a perfectionist. Don't let perfectionism stand in the way of learning and becoming proficient in your chosen field. Mute, because I'm an idiot. It was good, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Meaty one. (laughs) Meat on the bones. Now does it sound like we were fighting? I don't know, but it didn't feel like it to me, so I don't care. Okay, well, I won. (laughs) 